great Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Great Scott Show going up on a Tuesday. What's happening? Entertaining Monday Night Football game last night. Not so entertaining game three of the ALCS. Another granny, another grand slam for the Red Sox. As uh, they cruised over the Astros 12-3, to that one never, just never really felt like it was going to become something. 6 nothing in the second inning, 9-0. And at that point, unless you were, and I know there are a lot of you listening that are, but unless you were a, a hardcore fan of either team, you were just kind of checking out the Monday night game. Watching Tractor Zito, Mr. Derrick Henry, bulldoze people. Watching the Bills blow an opportunity to improve to 5-1 and one and hand a gift to the Titans. Credit to Tennessee for getting the stop on 4th and 1, but man. Highly entertaining. I'll say this about Josh Allen. Highly entertaining. There are too many players in the league right now more entertaining than him. Derrick Henry's entertaining in his own way. Once he gets moving, whew. Ooh, three touchdowns. Dramatic win. Now at four and two of all the teams in the NFL right now with a winning record. The Titans are the one that I, I even even after last night, I still have trouble taking seriously. I take the Rams serious. I take the Cards serious. I take the Bucks serious. I take the Saints serious enough. I take the Packers serious. I take the Cowboys serious. I take the, the Chargers serious. Despite Baltimore handing it to them. I even take the Raiders serious. To go and get a win on the road after everything they went through. They beat some good teams this year. I, 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 maybe I don't take the Bengals serious, okay? Maybe not. But I certainly take Baltimore serious. Certainly take Buffalo serious. And I know that sounds ridiculous. Tennessee just beat them last night. Tennessee is going to cruise in the AFC South because it's a bad division. (coughs) Tennessee is a team that's built to win games. They're not built to win Super Bowls. Their defense is atrocious. And their offense is good enough sometimes. And they're going to look. They're playing the Chiefs this week. The Chiefs are struggling. They've got the Colts on the road. They've got the Rams. they got the Saints at home. they got to make a trip to New England. But, you know, the back the back portion of their schedule this season, the Jags, the, you know, the Dolphins, the Texans a couple of times, it's so simple. I mean, they're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be hosting a game in Nashville. They might win one, and then they're going to lose in the divisional round, rinse and repeat. That's the Titans for you. Sorry to, sorry to burst your bubble, despite last night's performance. Anyway, it was an entertaining game, though. I enjoyed it. I didn't. I wasn't watching... The uh, ALCS with, I guess, the same intent. Not as closely, because again, once it was once it was nine nothing, done. done. ESPN fourteen twenty, ESPN fourteen twenty dot com, and the ESPN fourteen twenty app. 
Dodgers Braves today at four. Astros Red Sox tonight at seven. Coming up on the show this morning. Got 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 some got some good ones lined up for you. Of course it's Tuesday. So my old cohort, my friend, the voice of Louisiana's Raging Cajuns. Mr. Jay Walker is going to be joining me in the 8 o'clock hour in studio. We're going to talk conference realignment, latest news coming out of Conference USA. Going to talk about, obviously, UL, Coach Napier, among other things, the LSU situation with Coach Joe. Do a little terrible tune Tuesday. That's coming your way in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, Glenn Gilbo, formerly of... The advertiser, the Baton Rouge Advocate, USA Today, all of that. Now an SEC columnist without kick. He will be joining me. Coming up here at uh, 7.15. Wrote recently about the uh, situation surrounding Ed Ogeron, the future of LSU football. We're going to dive in on that. How serious might LSU be? And Coach Napier, who's the top of their list in terms of replacements. We're going to dig into all of that with uh, with Glenn. Speaking of Coach Napier, he, along with Jimbo Fisher, were asked specifically yesterday about LSU and, hey, they might have interest. Your name's on lists that various sports websites put out there. And if you missed it yesterday, I, I, I asked Coach about it when, uh, when he came on with my weekly one-on-one. I'll say this about Billy. He always says the right thing, it seems like. But if you missed it yesterday, you can hear the whole interview over at ESPN1420.com or the ESPN1420 app. But I asked him about, <clears throat> you know, his name being on those lists and, and in general about Coach Ogeron in that situation, and here's what he had to say. Well, I mean, I think the first thing I'd like to say is uh, just a really difficult and unfortunate situation, you know. Um, just speaking on behalf of our staff and our organization, um, Ed Ogeron has been an absolute class act, you know, in all my interactions with him. I can't. Uh, thank him enough for all the things that he's done to help us. You know, we've had a chance to uh, work together in a lot of ways uh, over the last couple of years, and he certainly helped our program. So we're thankful for that. Um, you know, these are tough situations, um, and one that is a reality uh, in this dynamic of college football. It's just extremely competitive. Um, and, you know, I think that any time that your name gets brought up in these situations it, it's uh humbling uh, but more importantly it's a reflection of hundreds of people right we have uh, lots of people that come to work each day here uh, that aren't on those lists you know we've got a terrific staff we've got an unbelievable group of players uh, and a support staff and a lot of people within and throughout our organization that take a lot of pride in their role how they contribute to the team uh, and certainly have al- allowed us to have some success here. Uh, and that's what that's a product of. So um, we certainly, you know, I think anything outside of that would be a complete distraction. You know, I think I owe it to the people that I come to work for every day uh, to have a singular focus on our task and our next opportunity. Uh, and if you can't do that, then I think it affects your team and your organization. So, we're focused on uh, our next opportunity, certainly humble. Uh, but, you know, our thoughts are with Coach Orgeron uh, and certainly the staff. I know these are difficult times. 
There it is from Coach Napier, who's asked again about it uh, yesterday afternoon by some local media members and said he has not been contacted by LSU at all and echoed the same message about Coach Ogeron. Louisiana and Coach Napier scheduled for Arkansas State this Thursday, pregame at 4.30, kickoff at 6.30 from Jonesboro. Jay Walker will have that call. Jay Walker will be in studio in the 8 o'clock hour with me. We'll also talk about the game after that, homecoming on the 30th, Kickoff time set for 11 as ESPNU picked it up. Some folks have some various thoughts on that. We will dig more into that in the 8 o'clock hour. A little conference realignment. The American Athletic Conference, the AAC, is expected to, according to Pete Thamel, college football reporter for um, Yahoo Sports, the AAC is expected to send applications out, uh, or excuse me, receive applications, rather, from a number of schools who want to join the conference. FAU, Charlotte, North Texas, UTSA, that'd be Texas San Antonio, who's currently undefeated, by the way, Rice and UAB. The expectation, according to Thamel, is that they will all be accepted and the AAC will grow to a 14-team football league, which means Southern Miss... Marshall, FIU, LaTeX. I mean, what are they going to do in CUSA? What are they going to do in CUSA? Probably try to get out, at least some of them. This is an opportunity for Sunbelt Commissioner Keith Gill to pluck really good athletic programs that would fit in the Sunbelt footprint. Southern Miss and Marshall. It works. It makes sense. It benefits the league. As far as LaTeX goes, you know, hey, good luck. FIU, that's an interesting one. That That's... You know, previously in the Sun Belt, they didn't add a ton. The old Miami market. Well, things have changed in terms of markets and how it's viewed and everything like that. I think you'd be, you stick with Southern Miss and La Tech, and, and at some point the Sun Belt likely moves on from, you know, non-football playing schools like UT Arlington and Little Rock. And then you've got probably, a, you know, one of the better G5 conferences. Certainly if AAC adds those teams, the Sun Belt would be number two in that list. Far ahead of the MAC and um, slightly ahead of Mountain West Conference and certainly ahead of, of, of CUSA. I mean, this, oof, we're going to dig into that more in the 8 o'clock hour with Jay Walker. But up next, Glenn Gilbo joins me talking about the situation at LSU. We'll talk a little Coach Napier, among other things. That's all coming your way next. And after that, we'll open up the phone lines for you at 269 1077. Talk more about last night's game. Derrick Henry, whew, man, Major League Baseball playoffs and more. It's all coming your way. It's the great Scott show, the great sports callers, open think tank. Hey, if you're listening to us via the stream, that is brought to you by Shop Pines Market in the Oil Center. Shop Pines going the extra mile. The Ultimate Tailgate Contest. Guys, it is almost over. If you haven't signed up yet, what in the heck are you waiting for? Bezos, Seacouse, Oyster Bar. And us. 
ESPN 1420. We have teamed up to give one lucky listener and fan the ultimate tailgate party for UL's homecoming. We're talking 50 tickets to the game. We're talking tailgating for 50, a party for 50. Fizos is going to provide the giant tent, the tables, the chairs, tons of food and drinks. Enter over at ESPN1420.com or the ESPN1420 app. Glenn Gilbo next, ESPN1420. Oh, you feel it? It is back. The killer crossovers, the nothing but net jumpers, the tenacious dunks. Ladies and gentlemen, basketball is back, baby. DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, is celebrating the return of the hardwood by giving new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Playing daily fantasy hoops is easy. You just pick your lineup for pro basketball ballers, stay under the salary cap, rack up points, three-pointers, rebounds, assists, and more. Score big, and you can score big cash. And with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes, it's the perfect time to show off your basketball IQ. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the free DraftKings app now. Use code 1420. This week, new customers get a free shot at millions in total prizes with your first deposit. That's code 1420 only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Good morning. As promised, joining me now from OutKick.com. You guys know Glenn Gilbo from his many years covering sports across the state. Been on the beat covering LSU since Jerry DiNardo was their head coach. Over 20 years, he joins us now. Good morning, Glenn. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? I'm good. I'm good. Um we ask everyone this. Do you, uh, you know any Beastie Boys songs? Do you have a favorite? <laughs> uh, I've heard of the Beastie Boys, but I don't, I don't know any of their songs. Uh, I've never been into boy bands. Uh, boy bands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I wouldn't call them a boy band, but um, what are you? What are you like? A, a, do you go country? Are you a Springsteen guy? What does Glenn like to listen to in his downtime? Oh, big time Springsteen since the nineteen seventies. Um, I like uh John Hyatt, uh John Mellencamp. Um I could give you some others. Yeah. Those, those those are the biggies. Yeah, I I, I, I would have guessed I would have guessed you you just seem like a Springsteen guy. I don't know what I just I that was that was a just that wasn't a shot in the dark. I feel like that was an educated guess. He's the best, man. He's been the best for the longest, I think. I mean, I was in high school when I discovered him, and I still listen to his stuff. But um, she saw him at Jazz Fest a few times. Um, but uh, Robert O'Keefe's another one. Um, but uh, not into the country or the Cajun. Mainly, mainly just uh, rock. Glenn <laughs> Gilbo. ACDC. Uh, um. Oh God, uh, Iron Man! Who had the Iron Man album? Uh, can't think. 
way back, like the first heavy metal band, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, the original heavy metal band. Glenn Gilbo, our guest at LSU Beat Tweet is uh, is the handle. I love how he opened with boy bands. That was good. Um, all right, Glenn, let's uh, let's dig into it, my friend. A lot's been documented of of what went wrong, what has gone wrong, continues to go wrong in Baton Rouge surrounding LSU football. Of all the reasons Coach O's time will be officially done at the end of the regular season, what is at the very top of that list in your mind? Uh, I would say uh, he made some poor hires for assistant coaches, and that led to uh, poor development of players. Because that's that's the main problem: the players aren't developed, the roster management wasn't good, and um, you know I think most of that stems from some bad coaching hires, particularly like Bo Pelini, uh, Scott Milliken. Uh, you know, last year, and that's what Coach O said. He, did. he didn't even interview some of the coaches he hired. And involved with that, I think he, you know, he kind of lost some focus. He kind of took his hands off the off the program, and uh, he couldn't he couldn't get it back. You know, he just he just kind of lost uh, touch with it. But um, you know, he had a great assistant hiring Joe Brady, but uh, most of the other ones did not work out. It feels a little different. Like there, you you've seen some comparisons to Larry Coker or Gene Chizik, and and I think that this one uh, is unprecedented. When you kind of start peeling away the reasons why, only twenty one months after best college football season ever, arguably you're um you know you're you're on the hunt for a new head coach. It feels like. Can you think of anything in the past that's relatively comparable to this situation? Well, I think the Gene Chizik comparison is almost exactly the same. I mean, with Cam Newton as, as Joe Burrow. I mean, a, a generational quarterback that wins the Heisman, you get one year, leads him to the national championship and an undefeated record. He leaves. Uh, the next year, Chizik went 8-5. and five. The next year, Orgeron went 5-5. and five. The next year, Chizik went 3-9 and nine and, and got fired. So I think that is really... Uh, Really, a close one, and and, um, and and you know LSU and Auburn are, are very similar in ways. You know they they're capable of having a, of having a great season here and there, and, and a championship or or a national championship um, reaching the game, but then they uh, you know they're not able to continue that. You know, uh, Les Miles dropped after his uh, first national championship. He he dropped after the. Uh, we made the game in the second one, and then Coach O did the same thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I see the, the the you know the comparisons you bring up. I guess it just felt like it it feels to me anyway, and at least on paper, when you look at the draftees, that LSU is a bit deeper in talent than Auburn was after Newton left, and you know Nick Fairley was a first round pick. He was very good on defense, but you had. I guess a lot of it felt like more guys left LSU. There's more players in the pros. Like it, um, I don't know. I mean, Chizik, Chizik, you know, the, 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 the cupboard wasn't, the cupboard was a little more bare, which I mean, I guess by championship standards than it was at LSU. Um, but you know, in terms of unprecedented Glenn Gibble, our guess making the announcement when they did and holding a press conference, that certainly 
it just I, I I understand why, but it definitely was sort of different. It felt it felt kind of odd, and and uh, ironically, LSU got an unexpected win on Saturday, but by Sunday night, it was almost forgotten because all the focus was on oh look coach joe just shook hands and and he's out at the end of the season and they're going to pay him 17 million to go away yeah lsu struggles to do anything normally i mean it's just a weird place they have so much drama all the time and, and they just don't know how to do things uh in organized fashion without just a bunch of crap you know i mean it, it's it's what they always do you know i, I never forget that you know, they had a press conference to, to say that Teran Matthew was leaving, and they were, like, saying different things in the press conference. And 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 that's what they did at this press conference. Uh, first, Coach Joe said that he knew he was done after the Kentucky game, which, which is the truth. But then later he said, oh, well, we're still working this out on Sunday. You know, I mean, he was fired before he took the field at Florida. But LSU got upset that the story got out, and so – they tried to say that they were just doing it later, you know, but they, they, they struggle to get their story straight even before they have a press conference, you know? So it, it's just a mess. I mean, you, you'd think LSU of all places would know how to fire a coach and hire a new one, but they, every time they do it, it's like they've never done it before. Glenn Gilbo, our guest at LSU B tweet. He is now writing for outkick.com. Um, what, <clears throat> What kind of impact, Glenn, do you feel like this has currently on the field? And um, what kind of impact does this have potentially to, I guess, recruiting in the short term? You know, I, I think um, I think recruiting's rarely impacted. I mean, LSU's recruited well regardless of the shenanigans going on. I mean, that's the other amazing thing. On the field right now, or, or at least, should be on the field. I mean, there's injuries and departures, but he, he's had three top five recruiting classes in a row. That's what I'm talking about when, when I say that, you know, roster management and players not being developed. Recruiting's never been the problem at LSU. Uh, it's, it's developing the players right, having them in the right position, and, and keeping them. You know, there's a, there's a culture at LSU that needs to change that really started under Miles. You know, it's like, hey, you know, come here and go to the draft. Well, that you know, they they've had people leave after the junior season who weren't even drafted, you know, and, and left drafted in mid rounds, you know. So the new coach needs to needs to change that. Um, as far as on the field, I, you know, I think they're going to be good because I mean they just won uh, one of their they just beat a, a pretty good team and had their best effort all season uh, when the coach knew he was getting fired, and and Orgeron knows he's. He's still a lame duck coach the rest of the way. So I think they'd do pretty well if if Holly did against Florida is an indication. And and this is really uh, Coach Joe's third uh, time as an interim coach. He came to LSU as an interim. He's leaving LSU as an interim. And he was a pretty good interim at USC. So he knows how to do this. Um, I, I think they could win quite a few more games. I know you said, uh, I think the quote was, now I have enough money to buy me a hamburger, um, but yeah. he was going to yeah. take a take a year away. Uh, where do you think, I, I he, he strikes me as a guy that would kind of go crazy if he wasn't coaching in some way, shape, or form. I remember um, whenever he left USC, uh, seeing him here at UL's campus back when Mark Husbeth was, was the head coach for the Raging Cajuns, just 
in the football facilities one day, and I was like, what's, what's Coach Ogeron doing there? They're like, I oh, just wanted to come in, check things out, help out. Just, we, you know, he asked if he could come. We said, sure, come on, and he hung out. But, you know, again, striking me as a guy that he couldn't really be still, right? He had to have his hands on it. So I know he says he's going to sort of go away for a little while, but I, uh, I have a feeling he'll pop up somewhere sooner rather than later. <clears throat> and I know I'm, I'm looking ahead, right? He's still got the rest of the season. But all of that's to ask you, Glenn, where do you think O ends up next? Well, I can tell you, he's he's very. I can just tell. I mean, this season during his press conference, he was just kind of frustrated and and kind of fed up with it. Um, and I actually think he, he he quit. I mean, part of this is he quit. Now LSU people wanted him to quit, uh, but as the season went on and he saw how his team was playing and, and what was ahead schedule wise, I I think he wanted to quit. I really do. And I think he wants to get away from it. Uh, but, but you're right. I think maybe after a year, um, I could see him, you know, kind of being a consultant, possibly an analyst, or, or I mean, he probably could be a, a defensive coordinator or, you know, a real assistant coach if he wanted. Um, and, he, you know, he possibly could get a head coaching job at a mid-major or something. You know, it's funny. He, uh, before he went to LSU as an assistant in the 2015 season, um, I mean, that was, he'd have loved to have been the UL coach at that time. I mean, the UL coach coaching job has always fit Orgeron throughout his career. And I think there was a time when he, uh, when he actually applied for it, uh, but he's always kind of liked that job. So that, you know, who knows, maybe down the road, he, you know, depending on what Billy Napier does. Um, I mean, I, I could see that. I could see him being interested in that. Now, maybe UL wouldn't be interested anymore. But you, you might see him coaching again somewhere in a year from now. Yeah, I, I don't know that the time would be right in the future, but, you know, you mentioned Coach Napier, and uh, UL's glad to have him. I, I talk to Coach every week on the show, and um, his name pops up. seems like any time there's a, a, an opening – the list come out. You had one yesterday. Glenn Gibble, our guest, at LSUP Tweet, if you guys want to give him a follow. Uh, the new LSU football coach board. Um, you know, the discussion was already rampant. Glenn, I think Sunday's announcement at LSU only sort of heated it up more. Um, and you've got a number of names on there. But, <clears throat> you know, there's there's a lot of fans on social media going back and forth. Uh, coach Napier has had tremendous success at UL. Uh, certainly he's happy at UL. He's young. He's rising. Um why is his name on a lot of lists, but in your, your you particularly, why is that? Why is his name on your list? Well, all these lists are really just the opinions of the of the writers, especially in this case, because Scott Woodward really keeps things close to the best. Uh, but that's I just think he should be a candidate for LSU because he's a rising coach. He's young. He's winning at a place it's it's hard to win at. He's been consistent. He's, he's part of the Nick Saban tree. Um, I think he's somebody uh, that LSU should definitely uh, interview, talk to. You know, he might not be at the very top of their list, but, um, you know, the best athletic directors are able to ID a coach before he's great. You know, that's what Mark Emmert, it wasn't the AD, but he kind of operated as one when he was LSU's chancellor. He identified Nick Saban as a, as a diamond in the rough and hired him. Uh, 
back in 1999, and Nick really just had one good season at Michigan State, the one he was coming off of at the time. So, um, you know, I, I think – and, and I, I think LSU should never not look at a coach because they're at UL. You know, but that's that's kind of the attitude of some of the people there. So that was the main reason I put that in there because I think he he deserves to be considered for a job like this. And goodness, I mean, I'm not the only one who thinks so. I mean, he mm-hmm. could, he could be the Mississippi State coach right now, and he could he could probably be the uh, South Carolina coach right now if he wanted. Or maybe Auburn, but uh, with strings attached, I don't think he was interested. But he's one of the best coaches in the country. You also have uh, Chris Peterson, Lane Kiffin, Luke Fickle. I, I wanted to ask you, Glenn, about some guys that <clears throat> appear on a number of lists that you don't think would be coming to LSU, and not so much Jimbo Fisher. That's not a surprise. But James Franklin, uh, Mel Tucker at Michigan State, why do you have them under your, in your opinion, not possibly being the next head coach at LSU? Well, I think I think Penn State to LSU is just a lateral move. I mean, you can look at both programs. I mean, I think it would be a lateral move both ways, you know. Uh, they're, and one may be better than the other, but not by enough to to warrant a move there. And that's how I see uh, Texas A&M, too. And, and, uh, and in both cases, you know, both coaches are kind of just getting, getting things going. Uh, whereas when Jimbo was at Florida State, when LSU was looking at him and should have hired him, um, you know, he was he was kind of regressing, and, and he was looking. You know, he was interested in in going somewhere. But I, I don't think in either Jimbo or or uh, Franklin are in that uh, position right now. And um, Mel Tucker, he, you know, he's a good up and comer, and LSU should be interested in him. But but again, he just he's just in his second year at Michigan State. You know. And, and uh, the salary he makes, I mean, it, that would be a lateral move as well. Interesting. It's starting to get going. Uh, Aranda, Joe Brady, two guys, obviously assistants uh, for the, the LSU dream season. Um, I don't, I, I'm with you. I don't think either of them are the next head coach at LSU. But, um, you know, a lot of folks have them on their list of, you know, strong possibilities. You have them under your list of probably not. Why? Why neither of those guys? Well, I could, I could definitely understand LSU being interested in Joe Brady, and that would be a splash higher. I could see LSU's interest there and desire, but but I don't think Joe Brady would be interested because he's all about the NFL. He, he really always has been. Um, you know, he took the LSU job because he was basically a, getting coffee as a third tier assistant with the Saints. Uh, but he's all about becoming an NFL head coach, and I think he's in a better slot as a coordinator there uh, to, to get a job in the NFL. So I don't think he's going to be interested in that. And then uh, I just don't think Dave, from LSU's perspective, I don't think Dave Aranda is, is ready yet. Uh, he's just in his first full season at Baylor after uh, the, the COVID season where he was not too good, 2-7, and seven, I think. But he's off to a good season this year, and, you know, um, he might be a guy, what I just said, you know, you get him before somebody thinks he's great. But, um, you know, I, I just don't think he's got enough experience. And, and he's, um, you know, he's just on one side of the ball most of his career. And, and he hasn't been in that position long enough. So I, I don't think LSU, I don't think Scott Woodward would be interested in that one. 
Glenn Gilbo, our guest, at LSU B-Tweet. If you want to give him a follow, a few more for you, Glenn. Appreciate the time. Is LSU this top-tier job in college football that a lot in the fan base think it is? Can you weigh the good versus the bad for us and, and maybe where this job ranks in your mind as somebody that's that's covered this program for 20-plus years? Well, I think the thing that makes LSU a great job is is, is, is geography. I mean, they if you had to decide where to put a football program before there was ever any football programs based on uh, talent, you know, close by, I mean, Baton Rouge, Southern Louisiana, the I-10 corridor, assuming the I-10 corridor would be there before there was a football. Right, right. But, but, uh, I mean, just, you know, and there's no other major, you know, major conference school in, in the state. And there's, and there's, and, the, and they have not a lot close to them either. You know, like Alabama's surrounded by schools, you know, LSU is, is not. And, uh, they they just have all and you know and they, and they go into Houston they go into Dallas North Louisiana uh, along the uh, I-10 corridor they go into Lower Alabama and and the Florida Panhandle so it's just an excellent excellent uh, recruiting base and and they've built a great tradition over decades so that that kind of what makes the, the job very attractive. Plus, if you're a coach and you're looking at it, you say, well, my goodness, three coaches there won national championships since 2003. And really, only only one of them is really a legend. I mean, Les and, and Ed Orgeron, they were not really hot coaches when they got hired and were really not being sought after for other jobs while they're at, at LSU, even after they won a national championship. So another coach is saying, my goodness, if Coach O and Les won championships there. I could win one. And uh, so I, I think that's why it's really attractive. Now, you know, they're all being investigated by the NCAA right now. They've got Title IX lawsuits. They've, they've got a lot of stuff going on. But but uh, usually, uh, you know, the coaches look look past that because they may see that as temporary. But, but what's permanent about LSU is that recruiting base. And, and, oh, by the way, New Orleans as well, which I didn't mention you mentioned the last three coaches having won national titles. Will the next head coach win one there in your mind? <laughs> well, you know, um, I think probably, probably. I would say probably so, depending on uh, on on who it is. Um, and I think Scott Woodward is is excellent at picking coaches. So, uh, you know, if Joe Oliva can hire a national championship coach, yeah, I would say Scott Woodward could hire a guy that probably might win too. Glenn Gilbo has been our guest. Give him a follow at LSUB tweet, SEC columnist over at OutKick.com. Glenn, before I let you run, I know you're an Astros fan. Um, I'm not for the record, but... um, What time is it? What time is it, Chris? Boston, uh, 12-3 last night. How are you feeling right now about the game tonight? Granky on the mound. Can the Astros come back in this series? Where is your confidence level right now in your favorite baseball team? Oh, I, I think it's going to go seven. Um, I, I think Houston will, uh, will, will tie it up at, at two. I mean, it's, it's, it could go either way, but I, I think they'll uh, get to seven. You know, they've, uh, oh, they've got blown out twice in a row. I didn't see that coming. But, um, you know, they um, they still have a, a great lineup. Their pitching's not as good as it was a few years ago, but um, I, I see it. I see it going seven.
I see them getting back together the next game. I noticed you didn't say that you think the Astros are going to win, but is that just the, the <laughs> columnist in you or the fan in you? I, th- there's somewhere deep down you have a feeling of where this thing's going. Oh, I, I mean, I, uh, I, I'm not, I mean, in the past I've, I've been, like, I, I knew they were going to beat the White Sox, you know. Sure. But, uh, no, I, I see this as a toss-up series. I mean, these two very good games, very good teams, and, and uh, I would not be surprised if Houston wins or loses this one, which is where I am. Now, you know, I, I try not to go the Kevin Footway where uh, mm-hmm. he, he just prepares himself for the worst. Well, uh, but, uh I'll never, I'll never forget you sitting next to him for that first live viewing, and you were just, you weren't surprised because you know, you know, Kevin, uh, uh, you know, a friend of mine as well. But still, just to to not be somebody watching him on a screen and actually be there like live and in person, I guess it's probably like for you the difference between like, all right, it's 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 entertaining seeing Bruce Springsteen when I'm watching like an old concert on YouTube, but being there is just a whole nother experience. That must have been like an out of body experience for you. Well, we we that was actually my idea to the editors to to do that. That's wild. And uh, and and I just got to do it once, but it it just took off on the uh, on oh. Facebook and the uh, <laughs> the metrics we got. It was it was wild. And then I broke the uh, the uh, oh gosh, who was who was the player that they lost? Uh, the great uh, leadoff hitter. Oh, God, my mind's going blank. But uh, we had we had a little uh, you know. Bobblehead, and I broke that during during a moment in the game, and that was Kevin's daughter's bobblehead. Replace <laughs> that, but uh, I uh, no, it was fun. I watched all of them after that one, and uh, that was that was something else, man. Maybe Kevin and I need to get back together and do that if they make the World Series this year. Oh, jeez, man! Uh, God bless you, Glenn. <laughs> Glenn Gilbo has been our guest uh, at LSUB Tweet on Twitter. Glenn, as always, man, appreciate the time. All the best, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line. All right, go Astros. Thank there it you. Is. Thank you. Good stuff from uh, from Glenn and Gilbo. Reminder coming up in the eight o'clock hour. Jay Walker in studio with me. We're digging in UL football matchup with Arkansas State on the road Thursday. Homecoming kickoff time announced. Going to dig into some conference realignment talk as well. The latest from Cusa. Little MLB playoffs all coming your way. Up next. A coach in college football fired after refusing to take the the vaccine. A coach at a P5 school. Give you the details on that and more. It's all coming your way. It's the great Scott Show, ESPN 1420 plus open phone lines on the next segment at 269-1077. Got something on your mind? Let it out. Next, right here on the great Scott Show. This is Louisiana Raging Cajun head basketball coach Bob Marlin, and you're listening to Acadiana's best sports leader, ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com.
He peaked athletically in the seventh grade. He got hit a lot in dodgeball. It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. You heard uh, Coach Bob Marlin there. On the liner coming back into the show, Louisiana Ragin' Cajun Men's Hoops tipping off their season officially November 9th, but they got an exhibition. This Sunday in Tuscaloosa at 2 against a very good Alabama team. Certainly be a good measuring stick. Uh, They travel to Indiana. Houston is well on the schedule December 14th on the road. The only team ranked in the top 25 poll on the schedule, but some, um, man, college hoops right around the corner. Gary Broadhead and his squad, they got an exhibition on Halloween, also on November 5th, and then uh, their season, in terms of games that count in the standings, tipping off Tuesday, November 9th at the Cajun Dome against Texas A&M Kingsville. They also get to host Rice. They host LSU at the Cajun Dome this year on November 18th going to be a fun season looking forward to that Washington State football head coach out out Nick Rolovich four assistants refused to take the uh, COVID-19 vaccine and Washington uh, governor had a deadline for state employees to do it I'll be honest, that's one I didn't have on the uh, the old bingo card this year. Highest paid employee in that state. Made more than $3 million contract that had another four years on it. Said he wasn't going to do it. He's 42 years old. All right, 269-1077. As I said, phone lines are open for you this segment. If you want to jump in, 269-1077. Lines are lit up. Let's get to line one. Good morning. Hello. Welcome into the show. Good morning. Hi. Um. I don't see Napier even, like, on the list for LSU. Okay. I mean, what's he done? He's won the Sun Belt West. That, 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 that might be one of the worst divisions of college football. So what has he done? I mean, he's won 20 of the last 22. He's won 33 games. He's won consistently at a program, double-digit games at a place that – isn't the easiest place to consistently win. He's the bad, the best recruiting class in the Sun Belt. He's got great relationships I beg, I beg with every differ. single coach around. Around oh, you you think, you know, if you don't think Billy Napier is a good head coach, that's that's fine. I won't agree with it at all, but that's fine. Uh, I mean, you're telling me that beating Troy. I'm telling Arkansas you that State Billy Napier is that one job? of the best head coaches in college football and certainly one of the best in all the group of five. He's got a pedigree that comes from some of the best in the business as well. And he's got one of the best G5 programs in the country. He had UL ranked in the top 25 multiple times. Never been uh, yeah, done before. Until they played, uh, never until been, they played never been done before. Texas. They played, they, they finished number 15 in the country last year. You can butt, butt, butt all you want. If you don't think he's a good coach, I think you're crazy. But who did you beat? Oh, I don't know. They went on the road. They beat Iowa State. They've beat teams on their schedule. Iowa so State because was horrible, Iowa, State, Iowa State won the Fiesta Bowl last year. So stop it. 
they're horrible. Oh, oh, they're horrible. This year, did they play them this year? Huh? No. Goodbye, idiot. He's not even a good coach. What has he done? Oh, I don't know. He's only won the Sun Belt. You know what? That right there, that mentality is what UL fans are hoping most of the LSU boosters have. So they don't go after him. 51 after the hour. 269-1077. Derek emails. Scott, why do you bother sometimes? Why do I bother? I, I dig it, man. I dig it. I like it. He can call anytime. He can call anytime. Absolutely. You can tweet the show as well at ESPN1420. Carl tweets. Scott, how do you feel about Luke Fickle? My thing is, he's probably doing an amazing job at Cincinnati, but do you think that translates to a P5 school? I think Luke Fickle's a great coach. I think Luke Fickle and and Napier are probably two of the best coaches in the G5. I think it's why their names continue to come out um, on a lot of these lists. I also think Luke Fickle is very much tied into the Midwest. I think that's where a lot of his roots are. Um, I think that's probably... You know, if I mean, look, and right now Cincinnati might do the unthinkable if they keep winning. They might actually break into the college football playoff when there's only four teams. Don't know that that's going to happen, but certainly if they win out, they've they've positioned themselves to in a big way. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think the thing with Fickle is if he ends up at a P five, it's likely not in. Um, you know, I, I think it's with a school that's located regionally somewhere in the Midwest, most likely. Appreciate the tweet, Carl. Fickle, a lot of people don't know, actually, he's you know former New Orleans Saints player. It's funny, I was talking to Jake DeLome last year about um, Cincinnati and Luke Fickle, and I didn't even realize that he's like, Fickle was in camp with me in 2000, and he got hurt, he got put on IR, and he said... You could just tell from being at Saints training camp, he might not make the team, but in terms of his football mind, he's like, you knew this guy had a future in coaching. You knew that he was going to be elite. He's a really good coach. Some good coaches out there, man. Good coaches. Lastly, email from Jacob. Scott, can you give me some timetable on some of these injured Saints? They didn't play on Sunday. It's driving me crazy. I'm jonesing for some Saints football. Thanks in advance. Um, look, it, it, Michael Thomas, he'll be eligible to start practicing again next week. Doesn't mean he'll be ready, but he's eligible to come off the pup list. David Onyemata can't come back until after the game next Monday against the Saints. Now, granted, he's not injured. He's suspended, but after... Monday night's game, he's uh, returning. As far as like Davenport and Armstead and McCoy and Traquan Smith and Will Lutz and Quan Alexander, Lutz was designated to return to I from IR yesterday. I had an article up on our website and our app, which you can read, sort of explains exactly what that is, the semantics of designated to return to IR. Doesn't mean he's coming back. And the fact that they signed a kicker off of a practice squad last week from Chicago, they have three weeks that he has to be on the active roster. And they have 21 days from yesterday to put Will Lutz from the, um, you know, IR onto the active roster. 
That's a very wordy way of saying I don't. I don't think Will Lutz is going to be about Monday night against Seattle. I think you might see him back, you know, against the Bucks or Halloween, or possibly after that against the Falcons on the seventh. I think it's going to be a little while. You know, we get our first injury report of this week on Thursday. It's a day later than normal because of Saints playing on a Monday night game we'll get a much better idea of where some of these guys are in terms of their practice participation. Are they full? Are they limited? Or are they DNP did not participate? And you'll get an idea of who might actually be returning. But everyone sort of had just get to the bye and afterwards everyone's coming back. And that's not, I kept saying, that's not necessarily true. You might start getting some guys back. It's a process. And then once they do get back, they got to get their legs out from under them. Don't go anywhere. Jay Walker joining me in studio next. Little terrible tune Tuesday. We'll talk some conference realignments. Cajun football, LSU football, MLB playoffs, and more. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN 1420. Body moving, body moving. We be body moving, body moving, a body moving. ESPN 1420.com, Acadiana's original sports radio station. Great Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. On ESPN 1420 and ESPN1420.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the Great Scott Show. Great sports callers, open think tank. Scott Prather, Jay Walker. Hi. You know, it's not as it's not the most caller centric time slot. A lot of people are driving in the morning. You know, I open up phone lines here and there, and every now and then I open it up, and someone calls, and then I'm like. Guess people are listening, and then suddenly I get a thousand messages just about one specific call, and I'm like, uh, "All right, yeah. all right, people are, people are out there." I remember back in the day when this studio looked very different, and we had that old phone, and Jay Walker would say two six nine ten seventy seven. What was the old fax number? Two three three twenty nine eighty nine. You could fax me at two three three twenty nine eighty nine. You one time you said someone just faxed me and said, uh, "You're a dumb bastard." Thank you very much for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't you I mean this is back in the day back when the picks the the, the little pick them contest we'd everybody would fax you their weekly picks and you right. would, you would grade them like a professor I would that was fun those were the days man yep how things can change in a hurry um if I had told you back then in the year 2021 Louisiana would have a head coach that was one of the hottest names in all of college football, you would have said what? Jeez, I don't know what I would have said. It would have been so far-fetched. But I would have told you, it's a guy that's had interest from SEC schools and he's he stayed put. Uh, and, then, then I would call you a liar. That You see, then, that, that, that... Then I would say fairy tale. Correct. No, like that right there, I was having this discussion a few weeks ago uh, with the guys from, from Rage and Review, and I said... If you had told me 10 years ago that a coach would have had a lot of success at UL and that they would have made it into the top 25, I would have said, okay, that seems tough to do, but I 
I'll believe it. But then if you had told me and they would turn down, you know, some interest from some other big name schools, and I'm not, I'm not sitting here telling everybody Billy Napier's going to be at UL for 20 years or anything. I'm just telling you, as of right now, that's the part that I would have said, okay, no, that's, right. that's, that's not the case. Agree. I say that to say this. I know some fans get angst at times, and this is true of, of any fan base that's having success about, oh, well, what, what about a year from now or two years? With it, when you got something good, man, just enjoy the ride. Yeah. I, you know, had a conversation with somebody a little bit earlier this morning about all of that. Because, you know, you got six games left in the regular season and he has his press conference last night and people start asking about the LSU job and I'm going, oh, come on, really? I think it's a non-starter, Scott. I think it's a non-starter for two reasons. First of all, Scott Woodward, Billy Napier's not his MO, okay? His MO, I'm, I'm here to tell you right now that he'll go after Dabo Swinney before he'll go after Billy Napier. Swinney's $47 million buyout? Yes, <laughs> All right. No, he's he's going. Then the other names that you see, you know, James Franklin and and, you know, some of the other guys, you know, I I don't know about Lane Kiffin. I, you know, I personally think LSU needs a culture change. That's that's my personal feeling. Right. And and so I don't think John Gruden and Lane Kiffin are the answers here. Okay. But Woodward's going to go after a big name. That's what he does. The second thing, there's a group, there is a faction at LSU, fan, faction of the fan base and a faction of people who write big checks to LSU mm-hmm. that would never allow LSU to stoop so low as to go to Lafayette, Louisiana to get their football coach. Now, if Billy Napier was having this kind of success at another G5 school, then maybe. But... I, I don't disagree with you. I do think that faction is smaller than it was a decade ago. I don't, but okay. I, I think they're I think maybe they're less vocal, but I think they're still there. And and here's the other thing. The last G five type coach that LSU hired was Curly Hallman. How'd that work out? I'm not saying that it would be that way with Billy, because I think Billy could win there. But I don't. I, I think it's a non-story until it's filled or interviews are done. It's going to keep being out there. People will talk about it. You know, they were already talking about it prior to Sunday, and at this point, you know, you you knew that once it LSU made the official announcement that Billy would be asked about it. I mean, I, I asked him about it. One question among about twenty. Mm-hmm. You know, the rest was about UL, but. You know, you'd be asked about it right away. And I think in terms, I mean, I could be wrong. I think from a local standpoint, until there's some kind of new development, it's it's going to be more fan fodder than than media talk. Yeah, it, it will be unless, okay, if the Cajuns keep winning, go 11-1, and one, and then win the Sunbelt Conference Championship outright, something they have never done. And, and have an 11-game winning streak, you're going to see that groundswell pick up a little bit, but I think it's that's going to have to happen in order for the groundswell to pick up. I think if the Cajuns lose a game, all of a sudden mm. you don't hear Billy's name much yeah. anymore. Um, I don't think they're going to lose a game. I mean, 
I I could. Am I overestimating the performance against App State in terms yes. of what it means? Yes, just like everybody was underestimating the performances that they had had previously. You know, I'm going to. I I I said it on this show. I said it on other shows. I'm going to say it right now. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results. I don't think they're going to win by five touchdowns on uh, Thursday night. I don't think that. I mean, I think they're going to win. They're a 17-point betting favorite. But I feel like the tide's turned a little bit right now with the football program. I think that um, I, I think last week's win could catapult them because now I think they understand um, how good they can be. Mm-hmm. Because it look, it was that was as complete a game maybe as the Cajuns have had since Billy's been there. I mean that you can't find a segment of the game where you go with well they didn't play well here. No, they played well everywhere. And and that's why you go out, you're able to go out and beat a good Appalachian State team by four touchdowns. I don't expect to see that again. Um because, you know, you just Nobody's the same every week. No. These guys are human. They're not robots. I also say this. Taylor Humphrey and Shane Vallow both told me on separate occasions that in so many words, they essentially said that despite being as guarded as they could be, maybe the team was a little too into the number before the season and everything else, and it – you guard against it, but it can go to your head a little bit. And I thought it was some. I mean, I, I appreciated the honesty from both of them. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of lot of a lot of players wouldn't do that or be like, "Oh no, we're fine. We just whatever." And um, you know, now you've had this performance, right? Oh wow, you you finally had the game where you all felt good and and uh, you know you felt good after Ohio, but Ohio ain't App State, okay? App State's good, right? And now you've done it in the season. Does that happen again, or is it more? Pedal to the metal. Here we go. I think um, I think the Cajuns still have a tough, a couple of tough games on their schedule. Um, I that Troy team is very good defensively. They might be the best defensive team in the league. And oh, hi. Would you like to have a little song here? Yeah. What song is that? Uh, that is the theme from Six Feet Under. Oh. I, Great show. Great show. Watched that back in the day. I and, cried on the final episode. Uh, I think a lot. a lot of people did. A lot. I, okay. Um, sorry. Where, where were we here? <laughs> oh, Troy. I think Troy's got a really good defensive football team. Uh-huh. I don't think they're great offensively, but they got some playmakers on the defensive side. That game is on the road. And look, it's Arkansas State this week, and I'm going to sit here and say it. Arkansas State's not a good football team. <laughs> they might be... The worst defensive team in the country. Okay. They're giving up almost 600 yards a game. 584. They have given up 50 points in every game except one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They're not good. Uh-huh. They're in Jonesboro. Okay. okay? And, and, and I'm sorry. I've been to Jonesboro too many damn times and come home with a loss just to say, oh, Arkansas State's terrible. that. that. Arkansas State's going to be ready to play. They're going to play their best game of the year Thursday against the Cajuns. The spread is now minus 18. Um, I don't know why that was funny because it was, you said, it's Arkansas State. So I'm going to say this. 
They are not a good football team. I was They're expecting. Not. I don't know. It sounded funny. I thought you were going in a different direction. But they do. But they do have. <clears throat> Um, I think some playmakers on offense. Their receivers are almost all freshmen, but they're good. They are good. Um, and, they are good. And, you know, they were playing two quarterbacks. They played two quarterbacks last year, thought it was a mistake. But now James Blackman is hurt, so Lane Hatcher is the guy. Um, it's a guy that the Cajuns have seen. Um, they're going to play really, really fast. They, they probably the most up-tempo offensive team in college football. And so you better be you better be ready on every snap. And look, they're going to score some points now. They are going to score some points. They average three hundred and fifty-seven passing yards a game. Yes, they like to sling it, as you said. I thought the Cajun secondary had their best game of the season against App. We were talking. Remember last week we were talking about keys of the game, and and uh, I think I pointed to the secondary. You pointed to the defense as a whole, and they 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 had a great one. And I think. This week, this Thursday night, I think their stamina is really what gets tested here. And, well, you're, uh, you're going to see a lot of nickel and dime packages. You're also, you know, you said stamina. I'm going to use the word depth. You know, I think they're going to have to play a lot of defensive backs in this game. The good news is they go about 11 deep yeah. in the secondary. And uh, I, I think they're going to need all of them. ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Jay Walker in studio with me. I'm Scott Prather um, talking about Raging Cajun football and their matchup against Arkansas State. Jay, we uh, got news last night about uh, the American Athletic Conference. They are expecting to accept invitation bids from UTSA, North UT, Texas, UTSA, Charlotte, North Texas, Rice, Charlotte, FAU, and UAB. And they're expected to accept all of them. Yep. So, Southern Miss and Marshall, I still think are headed to the Sun Belt. What happens to the rest of CUSA? Well, if that's all that happens, they're down to eight schools, which is enough to have a conference. Um, you'll see them add two because you have to have 10 in order to have a championship game. And I, I, and, and I think it would be a big surprise if the two aren't James Madison and Liberty. All right. That it would be a big surprise if it was anybody, but, but I still think that there's other stuff that could come down here. Tell me more. I I think I still think that the Mountain West might do something but I don't you know Texas is kind of off the table except for SMU. And Craig Thompson still might be not very happy over what Oresco tried to do to his conference and he might say, "Oh yeah, watch this." Um, that would be funny. It would be pretty that funny. That would be funny. Because that would mean then, now, maybe maybe um, the American is adding six in anticipation of losing a couple. That That's a possibility. But I also think that right now, the Sun Belt has to ask itself, giving, given everything that's happened, do we add four? 
instead of two. Because if you do, you are essentially putting Conference USA out of business. Because now they're down to six. Which means in order to get to ten, not only would they need James Madison and Liberty, provided the the Sun Belt doesn't add James Madison, um, but then they're going to have to get two FCS call-ups. And, uh, you know, Sam Houston might be one. Who's the second one? Who knows? Missouri State, Jacksonville State. I mean, that's what's on the table here. So I I think that they're at least going to talk about it, the, the, the Sun Belt. I think they're at least going to talk about adding four. Now, who would the other two be? Um, I would. you? No. They're not bringing no. them back? No. No. Let me tell you, the teams that left aren't going to be on the, well, one of them will be on the table, and that's Western Kentucky. Okay. Um, James Madison and Western, maybe, could be the other two. Um, where, you know, do you, where, where, where do you think the folks in Ruston will be when all is said and done? They'll still be in Conference USA, provided Conference USA exists. I, <clears throat> look, I... I do believe that Louisiana Tech, from a competitive standpoint in all sports, would bring something to the Sun Belt Conference. But they would also bring the kind of baggage you don't want to deal with. Man. They don't want to be a part of a league with ULM. They, their administration has always had a superiority complex when it comes to other schools in the state, I there are just a lot of negatives. And look, even if if ULM and the Cajuns, if, if Tech, if they were on the table and it was time to vote, this is a political state, and ULM and the Cajuns would vote yes to accept them. But I got plenty of other schools that would say, no, 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 we want no part of this. So unless they were to come to the Sun Belt with their hat in their hand, I don't think the Sun Belt's making a phone call to Tech to say, are you interested? Might have to for survival if it gets to the point that you suggest that is a possibility. Well, and, and, and if, they know, if they know that, then that phone call needs to be made today. All right, because look, I got you know every conference USA. A lot of their fans are saying certain things. Look, that league's in deep trouble now. Big trouble. I think. I think there are some that are still in denial. I. I actually think the vast majority understand that this is. It's bad right now. Well, and you know what I did last night, about an hour and a half, after. The story was broken by Pete Thamel with Yahoo about what the Americans getting ready to do. I said, let's, let's see what they're saying over on the Louisiana Tech message board. It's like they hadn't even heard the news. They, there was nothing. There was not a single thread on there about what the American had done. And that's an hour and a half after the story breaks. So I think they're kind of oblivious, some of their, you know, as to what's going on. And I went to the... Um, uh, another board, which is Conference USA board. I saw no comments from any Louisiana Tech fans. I saw comments from other fans, you know, 
And I, you know, and and Conference USA still thinks they're going to hold on to Southern Miss and Marshall. A lot of the fans do, uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. And so I, I don't know, man. Keith Gill took a lot of heat last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the things that folks were critical of, they have been trying to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he deserves a tip of the cap for that. I also think everything from the past won't matter that much in the grand scheme of things if he is able to heighten the Sun Belt while also gutting its opponent. Yeah, I, I, I think. Now we'll see if he can. We'll see if he can. But I think, I think that suddenly is, you know what? Hey, this is this is the other stuff was important, but this is like the main event here, right? This is this is if you're going to put your stamp on your tenure, this is the biggest moment. Can you rise to the occasion and strike while the iron's hot? And the opportunity is there. It's there. If they decide to add four teams. Trust me when I say that there are plenty of schools that would like to be number three or number four. You know, I, I, and, and if I'm Keith Gill, if I'm the presidents and chancellors of the Sunbelt Conference schools, but if I'm Keith, I present, okay, if we add two, this is what I think is going to happen. But if we add four, we can do this. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and it's amazing that I think one of the nuggets here is an FCS program. But I think James Madison becomes a jewel here. That if the, if the Sun Belt decides they want to add four, well, Southern Miss and Marshall are the first two. James Madison's the third one. Now, why do they make so much sense? They, they're, they make sense from a budget standpoint. They make sense from a facilities standpoint. They've got outstanding facilities at JMU. They are, like Georgia Southern, like App State, a top 10, top 5 FCS program that has won a national championship. Um, So they're going to walk in and be competitive immediately. And it's a little bit outside the footprint, but but not for the Eastern schools. You know, for, for Marshall and App State would just jump up and down. If, if if that were to happen. And look, selfishly, can you imagine that softball team coming to the Sun Belt? Hello? Um, so I think they become the nugget. You know, do you want James Madison or, or are you okay with them going to Conference USA? Now, if you want James Madison, you got to take somebody else. Okay, 13's a terrible number. Um, and... Then you look at, okay, what's left in Conference USA? And, and I think the, the, the only, taking Louisiana Tech out of it, I think the only school that brings anything to the table is Western Kentucky. Be fun to bring that back to Cajun Dome for some basketball game. Uh, that would, yeah, that would be an okay thing. But, you know, the Sun Belt may not have been attractive to some Conference USA teams, let's say, a month ago. But, boy, they sure looking good right now. They want a date to the dance rather than not get to the dance at all. 
you know, it, 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 if they're stuck, and and I think the I think the word is stuck. If they're stuck, having to add three FCS call ups that aren't James Madison, just in order to remain a a viable league that can have a championship game, they're going to be the worst um, the worst conference in the, the G five in football, yeah. and and it won't be close. Several months ago. We were talking about Oklahoma and Texas's announcement that they were right. going to go to the SEC. And we said, this is a giant onion that is just starting to get peeled. And there are mm-hmm. a lot of layers to it. Fast forward to today, this is what we were talking about, right? Yep. It's, it's the, the headline to me with conference realignment with the big schools, it might be the top story on a lot of sites. But to me, it's not the most interesting thing because it's... The story's already done. Okay, they're leaving. There it is. My thing is, ooh, the ripple effects and what comes from that. And the chess match that right now Keith Gill's got a – he's playing with Oresco. And believe me, they're playing it regardless of what they say publicly. They're playing it. They are. And, and you know, if you look at the moves that they made, you know, they're adding Boca Raton, which is in the Miami market. They're adding Charlotte, which is a market all of its own. Uh, they're adding schools in Texas to keep that presence in Texas for recruiting purposes. Yes, is a good one. And and they're and they're chasing TV sets, which is something they've always done. Um, I now do those schools. Any of those schools help keep the American as the top G five conference? No. None no, of them do. Not not with who not with who they're replacing. You know, no. North, I mean, North Texas has had a little bit of success. Um, FAU has had a little bit of success, but no, I mean, they're you know, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> now, you know, he said maybe we'll take some lesser schools and make them better. Well, if they can make them better, God bless them. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is you know. That's they're scrambling. The only league that's the only leagues that aren't scrambling right now are the Mountain West, the Mac, and the Sun Belt. Two six nine ten seventy seven two six nine one zero seven seven. Phone lines are open for you if you want to join in the discussion with Jay Walker and myself. Head of the phone lines now. Good morning. I think we got Mike on line one. How are you? And good morning. I was actually calling about what Jay was just referring to the. Chasing TV sets, basically going off the markets instead of brand, is the, I guess, the philosophy of the American. Conference USA tried that, and it didn't work. And the, part of that reason is they're in TV sets in professional cities. And, um, you know, their Texas really is an hour north of Dallas. And, you know, Rice has to compete with all the other schools in the Houston, and, and the Texas won't be bad forever. I'm not so sure that's going to work for them in the long run, one because the Regardless, yeah, there's a lot of TV sets, but nobody's watching those teams. So I'm not sure that's the right approach. I can see this blowing up in their face. Do you see that happening? Well, it could. But, you know, but but again, let's let's just remember something. I think what Mike Oresco is trying to do here is he's trying to salvage as much of that TV contract as he can. And the only way he's going to do that is to say, look how many television sets we have. And while ESPN may say, yeah, but the reality is they got a better chance of doing it that way than they do by adding 
um, adding schools in, in markets that don't have a big population. So if you're chasing TV sets and therefore dollars, it's probably the right move. Okay, speaking of that, doesn't their contract have to get renegotiated now that there's been so much turmoil in, in their yes. league? Yes, yes. So they're not going to get six and seven million dollars for a school. No, I, I, I think if if, if they get if they get three, I think they're going to be happy. Okay, all right. Building on that, I've heard one of the reasons the Sun Belt presidents don't want to go beyond twelve is they don't want to actually distribute the revenue with a much more mouse to feed. I guess uh, there's already a drop a little bit per school. I guess if the contract stays the same, even though the two non football playing schools are likely out. Could the league presidents go to the ESPN and say, look, our league is going to be stronger. Can you keep us at least whole if we go to 14? Um, I'm, I won't be surprised if that conversation takes place. Um, I, don't, I think I, if that were to happen, if yes, well, I think we're, 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 what, we're one and a half, one to, 1.3, 1.4, something like that right now. Uh, you know, I hear, I hear various things, but I think that's a ballpark figure. Yeah. So let's say if you could go and go to 14 and – Let's say even keep us at one point five. You know that's not going to be up to the three. The American, I think maybe then our presidents would maybe listen to go to fourteen. Otherwise, I think they're going to stay at twelve. I I I I I, I think I tend to agree with that, Mike. But I there, I talked to some folks last night. There are at least two schools, and and UL is not one of them. Okay, because I haven't talked to anybody there. There are at least two schools whose presidents are saying maybe we need to look at 14 since they're taking six. And those are and that's yeah. coming from presidents, not ADs. Yeah, and that, those are the ones who make the decisions. Yeah. And if even though, OK, maybe in the short run, you give up a hundred thousand or so a year. Maybe in the long run, is the, be, uh, the investment may be the best if you can go to 14. Like you said, James Madison would be a tool to get into the league. If you take them and keep Conference USA from getting them, then that's actually maybe a, a reason to, to go that, that approach. It'll be interesting what happens. But uh, uh, I'm more now more focused on, let's say, let's win seven more games in football this year or eight, whatever it is. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Take care. Long term, if, if you weaken your opponent, that can help you out. I And, and let's remember something. The Sunbelt Conference has become a very important property to ESPN. Because if you go look, let's get rid of the speculation, okay, and look at facts that games involving Sunbelt Conference teams, and I'm taking ESPN Plus out of it, Sunbelt team, Sunbelt schools from the Sunbelt have more folks watching on a national basis than a lot of the other, depending on 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 the team in the game. And so, I think the Sunbelt means a whole lot to ESPN. And so, ESPN will be giving giving some guidance here, and I think they're going to be willing to work with the commissioner. As far as the TV package is concerned, if you're adding teams, because now they're going to save X number of million dollars a year that they're not paying the American. So we'll see. All right, let's take one more before the break. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hello. Hi. Uh, I heard you mention that um, if they were going to go go back and take 
excuse me, if they're going to go back and take back the team from the uh, Sun Belt, it would be Western Kentucky. Uh, and I'm going to hang up here your thoughts. Why not Middle Tennessee State? And uh, thank you. Have a good one. Okay. I think Middle Tennessee has become maybe the most stagnant program in Conference USA. You know, they got there. Stock, uh, Coach Stockstill's son was the, the quarterback there, and they had some very good teams. But um, they have done nothing for facility improvements uh, since they've been in Conference USA. They would like to tell Coach Stockstill to go away, but... They, they're, they're caught up in a contract they can't afford to get out of. And, and the same is true in men's basketball, which has kind of gone into the pits as well. I, I, I think Middle Tennessee is a, is a program overall that has taken a, a one or two steps backward since, uh, since the Sun Belt. I, I don't think Middle's a player in this. Um, I, I think they'd probably like to come with Western. But I don't see where they bring a whole lot to the table right now. Because I, 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 th- I think they got issues money-wise. Otherwise, they probably would have a, a new football and basketball coach right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're, they, they got caught up in contracts they can't get out of now. So I, for that reason, I don't think Middle's a player in this. 32 after the hour, Scott Prather, Jay Walker. Speaking of TV money. Mm-hmm. Before we do TTT, um, TV money from ESPN allows them to pick games that they want to air on their networks, right? Which lead to kickoff times. Yesterday it was announced homecoming game eleven a.m. Now I know uh, some folks that I've talked to they plan on announcing that the school plans on doing a lot of things around the kickoff to make it work. I tailgating early, tailgating after, post game, all that stuff, and and some other things they have in the works and. I'm sure we'll hear about more of that soon, but <clears throat> do you, how much does the casual fan understand the give and take of TV contract kickoff time? Because you, you know where I'm going with this. You see online, oh my gosh, what, you know, if they really care, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot more to it than, than what you realize. Cause I know the, the fans, obviously the P ones and a lot of people listening sort of get it, but how much do you think the casual fans? Well, I, you know, I, I don't know what the definition of the casual fan is. You know, I, I think that there are folks that believe that UL has control over this. That That's, they, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure that that's the case. Uh, the reality is they do not. Um, you know, and gosh, this is funny because I remember, and it wasn't all that long ago. Okay. Hey man, we're getting to play on ESPNU, man. That's a linear network. That's great. And, and those same people now are going, oh yeah, but it's just on ESPNU. Nobody's going to watch it. So why, why is the, why, why is ESPN making us do this? It's the same people that were all so excited because it, there's a lot of complaining about midweek games, especially midweek games at home, and I get it. I get it. College football, we want college football on Saturday. We do. And I and so I absolutely get what they're saying. And but we keep talking about you it's exposure that you can't pay for. And but it but that's an intangible. And a lot of folks can't grasp an intangible because they they just you know it's hard for them to see 
Let me share a story with you before we go to the break. On Saturday evening, I am sitting in a hotel restaurant slash bar in Tucson, Arizona. And I get a phone call, and it's from Patrick Crawford, who is now at Purdue, who just beat number two, Iowa. So he FaceTimed me, and we visited for about 10 minutes. And the um, bartender overheard it, and he came, he said, look, I don't want to get in your business, but you guys were, were talking. And I said, yeah, and I told him who Patrick was. And he said, well, where, where was, he, he worked with you. Where was that? And I said, well, I do the radio broadcasts for Louisiana. And his response was, the Raging Cajuns? Now, I'm just here to tell you, I travel a lot. And 90% of the time in the past, when I would say that, they would say, oh, is that LSU? This guy knew. And he even said, I watched your game against App State. You guys are good. So that brand thing is working. You just can't see it because, number one, it's an intangible. And number two, these people are far away and, and a lot of folks don't get out all that much. The, there is huge value in playing on national television, even if it's on a different day. Now, I agree with the fans. Look, this is the fourth time now that our football schedule's been messed with at Cajun Field. And so I get that. Absolutely, I get that. I think, you know, you don't want it to happen more than once or twice. Um, but it's going to continue to happen, and it needs to, because it is something that's important. Talking a little Major League Baseball playoffs when we come back. Jay Walker, resident Dodger fan. Talk Dodgers, Red Sox, Astros, <laughs> Red Sox, excuse me. And uh, a little bit about the Dodgers and the Braves. All coming your way next, ESPN 1420. It's the Great Scott Show. Somebody call or that's terrible. She can't only think that. Stop catching otters that talk. Yeah. Whatever it stands for. It's Scott Prather on ESPN 1420. All right. So on that note, some Major League Baseball talk to wrap up the show this morning. Jay Walker, appreciate you joining me in studio. Uh, big thanks to Glenn Gilbo, who joined me last hour. A lot of great content from him as well. Um, your Dodgers mm-hmm. lost to the Braves. Mm-hmm. Both games in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Walk-off style. Yep. Now, as Brad Topham and Troy and others who root for the Braves have pointed out, hey, last year Braves were up 2-0 and 3-1, and we're not celebrating anything yet. How do you feel about the Dodgers' chances right now? I... um. You know, I think the Braves are going to win this series. I didn't feel that way last year, even when the Dodgers were down three games to one. I thought L.A. would come back and win it. I think the Braves are going to win this series. I think the Braves' starting pitching is right there with anything that the Dodgers have. Mm -hmm. And I just think that they have more clutch hitting than the Dodgers do. Now, you know, I can L.A. come back and win the series? Yeah. I You know, I think they're capable of doing it. But I just think the Braves might be a little bit better. Here's the other thing. The Dodgers won the, the, won the series they needed to win. Okay, they won that series. You know, the, the, one the, that you did not think they were going to win when the, they went down. They, they, went, 
they went out and they beat the Giants. I think they got a little hangover after that, to be honest with you. Um, so I think I think the Braves are going to win the series. And and if that happens, I'm okay. I mean, I'm okay with it. I mean, I'd like to see the Dodgers win, but I'm I'm with the rest of them. They beat they beat the bleepity bleep 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 Giants. And so I'm going to be good with whatever happens. If if the Braves are in the World Series, great. Good for them. Good for their fans. Um, And the other one, boy, I'll tell you what. The Astros pitching staff is just in shambles. And I feel feel for Dusty because he's he's got nothing to put out there on the bump. And he's facing a really, really good hitting team. Um, So I think it's going to be the Red Sox and Braves. Both games today um, on what TBS and Fox Sports One tomorrow we will uh, we will air both games between Boston and Houston, L.A. and Atlanta. In the meantime, that is Jay Walker. You can hear him Thursday night in Jonesboro. You, Cody Juno, on the sideline, and uh, Richie Falgu in the booth. Richie Falgu in the booth with you guys. Pre-game is at four thirty from Learfield, right here. It starts six thirty kickoff, and. Um, Pre-game featuring Gerald Broussard. G. G, G G-Man. Getting back behind the microphone. That'll be this Thursday. He'll do pre-game with Steve. And then um, Richie and uh, Cody and I will have the broadcast. It's always a blast uh, talking with you, my friend. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Next week, it's going to be on a delay. For the first time ever, it'll be Terrible Tune Wednesday. But uh, Jay's going to join me a day later next week. Uh, He'll be in on Wednesday. And there was some other guests Tuesday, but we won't do TTT. In the meantime, Greeny is next. Have a great one, everybody. ESPN 1420. What up, sports fans? I'm here to remind you that basketball is back, baby. The crossovers, the three-pointers, the dunks. It is here. Basketball is back. I'm fired up. I know you are, too. I love hoops, and I love fantasy sports, and I love winning. DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports. Let me remind you, they're celebrating the return to the hardwood by giving new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Look, I do it. Trust me, it's easy. Playing daily fantasy hoops is a piece of cake. You pick your lineup for pro ballers, stay under the salary cap, see how you do. Score big, and you can score big cash. And with a free shot in millions of dollars in total prizes, it's the perfect time to show off your basketball IQ, guys. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. What are you waiting for? Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings app now and use promo code 1420. This week, new customers can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when you enter promo code 1420 to get that free shot at millions in total prizes. Code 1420 with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Body, body, body.